Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And we've had a number of shows in the last few weeks uh, that we've released on the network. If you're not a member of the network, you need to become a member of the network by simply, it's just an email network to start with, but the purpose of it is to bring people together. And not like Facebook does, where they bring people together in different factions and actually are dividing the people and making those uh, divisions even stronger and stronger. First thing you want to do if you want to divide the people is censor them so they cannot have the debate, the discussion, uh, the solutions uh, that are so es- essential to a free society. You know, actually, I came across a quote. He says, you know, the very powerful and the very stupid have one thing in common. They don't alter their views to fit the facts. They alter the facts to fit their views. And uh, that was from a drama called The Face of Evil, Part 4, starring uh, Baker, who was number four Doctor Who. So that was Doctor Who. You get words of wisdom from almost any place. But uh, the reality is we have to look at the facts. And... uh, it's stupid not to look at the facts and to adjust our thinking according to the facts because facts matter. And so we try to bring you a lot of the facts that other people won't bring you and that's going to make us controversial. Uh, it's going to upset some people, but uh, eventually we try to put all these facts together and draw you a picture of what is really going on in the world. And we did that this morning on the show. Yeah, and if you join the network, you'll get a copy of the show uh, sent to you in nine days, and because uh, that's the agreement we have with the station where we uh, originally broadcast the show, uh, and uh, this show will go back to back out with it because that's what we're doing. We're trying to finish up some of the thoughts that we dealt with in the morning show. So um, I'm actually going to look for um, a particular uh, quote that we mentioned on the show, which is in Acts 21. And uh, on our uh, uh, webpage, we have the whole Bible and all the different... Uh, oops, didn't type in the S on Acts. I was going to do it before the show started, but I was going to do a million things before the show started. And uh, anyway, in this Acts 21, if I've got it right, let's see. Uh, oh, I have not gone through Acts yet. I'll need to do that. I thought maybe I had some footnotes already in Acts but we were talking this morning about Acts 21:25, so I've got my work cut out for me this week. I'll probably go through Acts 21:25 and show you all the things that nobody wants to tell you is meant by these words we see in Acts 21:25. What was going on during the Acts of the Apostles? It just astounds me. It's very clear in the Acts of the Apostles. That Paul, Barnabas, Timothy, all these guys, there were dearths in the land. They tell you that. That means kind of depression, shortages of food, etc. And if you study a little bit of history, you'd know that Rome had these 
kind of devastating economic crunches going across the Roman Empire. Uh, they were moving steadily into a world of inflation because they were taking all the uh, silver and gold out of the Roma denarii. And uh, they were, you know, people like Mark Anthony and Cleopatra, you've all heard of them, right? Because there's a movie. <laughs> if there's a movie, you've heard of them. But what most people don't know is uh, the Greek lady, uh, Cleopatra, yeah, she was from Greece, um, but was the queen in Egypt. And, of course, Mark Anthony was from Rome. And uh, they got together, and they had a huge army and lots of money and kind of a private army almost. Uh, and that's the way the armies were working there. They kind of... Uh, when they had a war, they made profit out of the war. And that was a thing that in the Bible you could not turn war into profit. That was very important, that you couldn't wage war to make a profit. And uh, But they did. and But they were running a little short of cash, so they... And this was a process that was known a little bit more widely at that time, a kind of a chelation of the coin where you could make a silver coin with less silver and it would still look like a silver coin. You could do it with gold too. You could put less gold in a gold coin. It's still a gold coin, but just has less percentage of gold in the gold coin. And so therefore you could make more gold coins. Well, of course, when people began to discover, and everybody wasn't an idiot, but some people began to discover that this isn't as much, this isn't pure gold. They could tell. Sometimes you could just do it by hand lining. You know, can you pick up a penny and say that's pure copper or is it a zinc penny? Well, you can feel the weight difference in a zinc penny and in a copper penny. Uh, good news, I, I thought everybody was looking for good news. Uh, the price of nickel, the cost of nickel has gone up so much that a nickel's worth of nickel is almost worth a nickel. <laughs> so, but unfortunately, the gas price went up, food prices went up, grain prices went up. And we tell you why it is. It isn't because Putin invaded the Ukraine. And this was coming anyway. Now, that may speed up the process a little bit, and, and a lot more than you may think, because like we were pointing out, one of the largest producers of grain in Europe is the Ukraine. And it's the eastern side of the Ukraine that does most of it. And planting season's coming up, and they're in the middle of war. So people are going to start starving to death. It'll not like this didn't happen before, but uh, they'll start starving to death if if those crops are not planted in a timely fashion because you can't you can't delay the crop. But when we were talking about Acts twenty one twenty five, we were reading this uh, Gentiles who have come into the Lord's family. What did that mean? Uh, if you were a member of a nation, you were a member of a family, and people thought in those terms because the leader of Rome, the emperor of Rome, was called the Patronus of Rome, which means our father. So it meant our father who art in Rome. And uh, they, of course, thought, hallowed be thy name because you're going to give us daily bread if there's dearth in the land. But the problem is, is the Gentiles who came into the Lord's family knew they had to abstain from the meats, the free bread, etc., that were provided by the temples of Rome uh, through their elamina, the, their uh, free bread uh, giveaway places, usually on the side of a temple, certain temple, but they were all over the city. Everybody didn't have to go to the temple. And these distribution points where you could 
received free bread, and sometimes it was free cheese and free wine and free meat when there were festivals, etc. And uh, this is kind of the welfare of their society. And it really kept the people kind of in line because nobody wanted to buck the system when you had this free, guaranteed social safety net established by the government. The problem was is that that government that was providing it, it provided it by the sacrifices of somebody, the sacrifices of the people. And of course, Judea was doing the same thing. They had the sacrifices of Judea that were going through the temple and through the synagogues, which were ten families. That's what a synagogue was. And uh, if you fell on hard times, if you, you know, were hungry and, and needed help, and you were a member of a synagogue that was attached to the temple, you could apply for free bread, and they gave free bread away and free meat away and all these things to help sustain you in your time of need. This is what religion meant. Religion was the performance of your duty to God, yes, but also to your fellow man. And to your fellow man was to take care of him. And uh, the definition 200 years ago included the word pious, the pious performance of your duty. And so you say, pious performance of my duty. I mean, like, what is that? How do I do that? Well, what it is, the word pious at that time, 200 years ago, in early America, meant the duty to your father. That's what, Pious was the way in which to describe your duty to your father. And the pious duty to your father in Rome was to pay your taxes to the Patronus of Rome and to the Patres of Rome, all the senators of Rome, so that they would have the funds necessary to take care of the needy of society. Now, Rome did wage wars on the Gauls and the Brits and lots of other people in between. They did send out government projects to go out and build dams and harbors was a big thing. Building harbors was a big thing because that promoted trade. Building roads, you know, government roads. They'd build roads out into an area and then goods could flow down those roads. Uh, even going up rivers so that people would bring, you know, grains from the plains down to the rivers. Uh, I, I looked at uh, was about a dozen uh, grist mills that were built by the Romans on a hill where they rechanneled a river, or at least part of the river, down through a ducting system that went along these hills and eventually came to this hill. Uh, and then down that hill on steps, they're across from each other, the, the steps, there were these water wheels that turned a big stone to grind grain. And so they actually could bring grain in from the river. The river was kind of windy. And they could bring grain in over to these grist mills and then they would drop the grain off. They had uh, storage buildings made out of stone to keep the rats and mice out. And they put the grain in there, and then they could take the grain out and grind it. And they could run those mills just all day long. If one of them needed repair, they would, you know, shut it down, shut off the water to it, and they would repair the mill, and then they would get it going again. But they always could have 24-7, as long as the water was available, they would have one of those mills, or several of those mills running. That was quite a few of them. And they would be grinding flour, and then they would bag that flour up, and they'd load it on barges. It would go down to be delivered to a city that was down the river away. And this was a big moneymaker, because it took a lot of work to build this, engineer it, 
But once they had it going, it had this return, constant return. And that's kind of what Russia was doing. It, it drilled for oil and it drilled for gas, found lots of oil and gas. They have mines and all that kind of stuff. They have nickel mines, mercury mines. Although there are more mercury mines or more potential for mining. It, it, you mine cinnabar. We have cinnabar here. You can mine cinnabar and get mercury out of the cinnabar. And mercury like I said, very important to their secret technology that Putin was mentioning in his speech. That he's, he's saying that, uh, that America and NATO want to steal his newly discovered secret technology. <laughs> Cutting edge technology is kind of the way it translates. And, but anyway, that's all part of that secret, secret drama and we touched on a lot of that. Uh, in the morning show, but really what the deal is, is they take this oil, they're very engineering, get all the stuff, and then they put it in pipelines, and it goes across the Ukraine, and goes to Europe, and supplies the industries in Europe, the Germans, and a lot of other people are dependent upon those oil and natural gases. Now, originally they only had the pipeline that went across the Ukraine, but now they have others, but they're paying the Ukraine, have been for quite a while, a billion dollars a year, just to just to take the pipe through their country. They build the pipe. You know, they create all the materials to build the pipe. They buy everything they need to build the pipe. But they just needed a, you know, swath of land to put that pipe on. And the government of the Ukraine got a billion dollars. And we were pointing out this morning that that's not going for the people. I mean, they use some of it for the people. But basically, now they can borrow money against that guaranteed billion dollars a year. And, of course, they get a billion dollars from us and and all this kind of stuff. It, it is just a breeding ground of corruption. And of course, a lot of our politicians sent their kids over there to get some of that money because there's a lot of it flowing around because it's a very strategic area. We also put money over there to actually fund small armies. That's well documented. We did build... Uh, help fund, uh, actually even, you know, we, we have the tracks <laughs> that are available that Biden's corporation loaned money to help build some of those laboratories. And, um, and they, they have those laboratories everywhere. And what, what is these laboratories all about and who's behind all that? I cannot tell you how deep the rabbit hole goes. You would not believe me even if I told you. But this is only an hour-long show, so what we really want to get to is the solution. In order to get to the solution, we had to get an idea, kind of some kind of a picture of the problem. But again, uh, the people who think they know history, and uh, they talk about these things, but they have huge gaps in their knowledge and understanding of history. That's the way it was when I read the Bible, studied the when I went to St. Joseph College and studied the Bible in a seminary and talked with all these college professors and all that stuff. I was 13, 14 years old uh, at the time. But uh, they were really bright, and I asked them questions, but they couldn't answer all my questions. And one of the questions that they could not answer was, what were they doing in the temples? <laughs> what were all these Roman temples, you know? Uh, Juno Mineta, what, what did they do there? Uh you know, what, what did they do in the Parthenon? And, and what did they do at the Temple of Ephesus? Well, we have lots of articles that we don't go into a super long 400-page book explaining all these temples. But we give you the basics, very simply the basics of what they were doing. You know, why in the Temple of Saturn did they store birth certificates? 
and diplomatic papers. You know, if you were a diplomat and you came to talk to Claudius Caesar, uh, you would bring your credentials and you'd present them to the officials at uh, the palace where Claudius, Emperor Claudius might be. But uh, they would be examined and then they would be filed in the Temple of Saturn. Uh, because they kept a lot of records there. They had kept more records at the Tabularium, uh, the Temple of the Tabularium. And, uh, but this is, this is the business of government. This is what they were doing. These are government buildings. We call them temples, like somehow or other there's priests and, there were priests there, but the priests were, were providing services. You know, real services. Not like what you get when you go to the local churches, the ear tickling services make you feel like you're saved. But real, actual service. That's why you got real bread, real meat, real cheese, real wine, real money from these buildings on the side of the temple that were and the money was coming out of the treasury. And like I mentioned, uh, Temple Juno Manetta, that was just a mint. That was just making coins. Uh, gold and silver coins. Ephesus made gold and silver coins. The Temple at Ephesus. And the apostles were accused of robbing the Temple at Ephesus. How were they breaking into the vault? It was, the, it was considered at that time the most secure vault in all the Mediterranean. Why was it so secure? Why did it need to be so so secure? It's just Ephesus, right? No, that temple was built by 127 different countries who were members of that temple because that temple was like an insurance underwriter providing ins- double insurance for the social welfare systems for all these countries. That That's what it was, you know. Uh, there were no dancing maidens and, you know, uh, uh, you know, I mean, they praised their, what they call their gods. Uh, you, you, you read, uh, the Christian conflict and look up Saturninus, uh, at preparing you and you'll find out that, uh, you know, at the trial of Christians, when they began to outlaw private religion, because that's what Christianity was, private religion, took care of the needy of society through a system of private religion. It's like, it's like private insurance. You know, you had private insurance, you know, and you might get a, you know, you might get Social Security or uh, Medicare, Medicaid, but then you could actually have a, a supplemental insurance that will pay what they don't pay. Except for at that time, uh, you know, at the time of Christ, at the time of Acts twenty one twenty five, you... You, you weren't supposed to have, uh, to be taking, partaking of these government temples, the welfare that they provided, the free bread and all that stuff. Because if you're doing that, you were, you were taking the meat sacrificed to idols. The, 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 the meat, when, when, like I said, when John the Baptist said, uh, you know, when they're asking him how the kingdom of God works, he says, you got two coats, your neighbor has none, share. Do the same in meat. So, you don't have to do it with bread, just meat? Is it that, that's the deal? Cause it, you know, what happened if you're a vegetarian? Then you don't have to share anything? <laughs> Cause you don't have any meat, right? Cause you're a vegetarian. Maybe you're vegan. And you have no meat. So, and, so what, what happens to you and what is that, what does that have to do with John the Baptist? Well, it isn't meat, meat. That's a, that's a metaphor. Any kind of food. Do the same in bread. Do the same in vegetables. You know, do the same in almond milk. Share your almond milk. 
<laughs> whatever it is you're eating. You know, it doesn't, isn't about meat. But sacrifice to who? Idols. What are the idols? You know, and I've told people this before. I mean, think it in the old days in England, if you were looking for a certain pub or a certain business, like a boot business, you wanted to buy boots, and you're going down the street and you're looking like, who sells boots here? You know, are, are you looking for, uh, you know, an Adidas symbol? Is it Adidas? <laughs> you know, one of those uh, shoe manufacturers, you know. Uh, you wanted tennis shoes, and you, you're looking for... You know, somebody who sells the kind of tennis shoe you want. No, you, you're looking for somebody who's got a, a boot or a shoe hanging out in front of their store. Hanging on a sign. Because people, everybody didn't read back, you know, we're talking 1700s. Everybody didn't read, at least in England. But they said, oh, boot, that's a boot guy. I can get stuff to do with boots. I can get my shoes repaired. That guy, that guy knows how to do that. Because you have that symbol there. Well, they did the same thing with uh, gods. You know, that's why the Romans could just take all the Greek gods and make uh, new names for them. And, uh, and many of those gods have now become apostles on the, uh, you know, the parapets of the Roman cathedrals in the Vatican. Uh, the reality is, is that that's how you uh, signify. And, of course, Paul talks about not doing that because that's sort of a, way of dividing people and again we've told you about the fact that Nero didn't not Nero excuse me Herod did not just build the temple at Jerusalem he also built the temple of Roma uh, for Romans they would go to that temple and the other people would go to the temple of Jerusalem but they were all a part of a social welfare system and they had treasuries and the treasury was there was Two different words that we see translated treasury in the New Testament. One has to do with the royal treasury, but the other one has to do with the Corbin treasury, uh, the sacrifice of the people. But by the time Christ came along, Herod and the Pharisees had turned these sacrifices into compelled offerings, uh, just like FDR did and LBJ did. They turned your Social Security into compelled offerings. But those Social Security offices, that's your temple. And they've got symbols. They, they put out in front of that. And you say, oh, look, there's the symbol for the Social Security office. There, there it is. Well, that's the temple of the Social Security. I mean, if we're going to use biblical terms, that's what that is. And the sacrifices they receive to put in that treasury of the temple of Social Security might have blood in it. Because all those offerings were not freely given. We talked about a guy who just recently committed suicide in this community. I, I knew his, you know, his parents and grandparents, uh, but uh, he was a pretty young guy and he committed suicide. And it's just always a tragedy when he does that. Uh, was it because he was having trouble in his business? Well, uh, there's several reasons. Uh, and we had another guy I knew when he was a little baby. He committed suicide, you know, a year ago almost now. But it was during the COVID deal where he lost his job. He was getting money from the government. But he was sitting home all the time playing video games because he couldn't get a job anywhere. And he, if you go in a store, people yell at you because you have to have a mask on. And uh, And he just became, he always had a little bit of a problem with depression. But this was just a absolutely depressed you know, we talked about this before, the suicides. When the records finally come out, when they find, they're covering them up, but when it finally comes out, you won't believe 
Suicides went up 300% in some areas. 300% in some areas. Because of the shutdowns. And so it has a devastating effect. But again, it's all part of this war. But the reason they're winning the war is because you don't understand the Bible. Because Christ had the solution. Christ's salvation is the solution. Not the fake, phony Christ that you're hearing in most of your churches. Really, when Christ said you had to be a doer of the word, you had to be a doer of what he said. Why do you call him king if you don't do what he said? How do you know to do what he said unless you know what he actually said? And one of the ways to know what he actually said is to know what people were talking about at that time. And what, what those words meant. So sacrifice to idols, that was sacrifice to the Parthenon and uh, Saturninus. And, but that, how did that sacrifice get in there? It was, it was a tax. Tax on you, tax on foreigners. You could oppress the foreigners in your midst, according to Roman law. That was okay. You you could make war profitable. And they did. But eventually that wasn't enough and they had to even tax the people. But that's where they got the money to give away their free bread. So when the Gentiles are talking about abstaining from those things sacrificed to idols, they're talking about the Corbin of Rome. The forced contributions of Rome. Because they have the blood of your neighbor and the blood of foreigners in it because it was taken by force. Blood represents the life. That's what it says in the Bible. The life is in the blood. And you took the life from that person. You you took from their economy. You you took from their livelihood. You you strangled them. The guy who committed suicide, he, he used a rope. You know, he hung himself. And young guy, just married, some sort of depression set in, just horrible. But the reality is, is he was strangled. Maybe because of problems he had, maybe because of the problems everybody's going to start to experience as we enter this new realm of inflation. Because inflation was starting to hit the Christians. The Christians actually thrived during the inflation that took place between... Uh, Claudius, uh, actually we can go back, like I said, to Mark Anthony and Cleopatra. They only took about 10% of the silver out. Nero really took a lot of the silver out. By Diocletian, there was no more silver in the coin. Hadn't been for a long time. They tried all kinds of things like price controls. You know, you could actually be executed if you got caught uh, price gouging. And But the Christians did well. They thrived during this period. And they were excluded from eating at the table of the government, of the Gentiles. You know, where the men called themselves benefactors. We've gone over that. And uh, I'll put the links in to Acts 21.25 at preparingyou.com and so that you can see it once I go through there. But the new Christians from the Gentile community knew they could not eat at the table of the benefactors who exercised authority because there might still be blood in those sacrifices. They might have got the funds to give you, the free bread to give you, by strangling the life out of somebody else or their business or their family. And by going to that system, which was so diametrically opposed to that of the Bride of Christ, the church, 
that was not like those governments of the Gentiles, because Christ commanded that we not be like those governments of the Gentiles, that we practice pure religion, take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity alone, not be spotted by this system of forced contributions of the world. Now, if you put that together, I mean, I I just spelled it out. I spell it out all the time. And some people say, well, he's saying the same thing again. Yeah. Are you doing it? Are you sitting down in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands? Are you taking care of somebody through faith, hope, and charity? And what you'll find is most of the people who want to do this, they they don't need a lot of help. Everybody's going to need help someday. Everybody's going to be old. Everybody's going to be feeble. Or they're going to suddenly just die of a heart attack or die in their sleep or something. But you do need a social safety net in society. Ben Shapiro said so. And he's right. But he still thinks that that social safety net should be by men who exercise authority. By the social security system, by the welfare system, etc. And like we pointed out many, many times, David... Uh, Paul quotes David and says, you know, where David says, what should have been for your welfare has become a snare. Which is the same thing we see in Proverbs. If you be a man of appetite and you sit to eat with a ruler, you know, one of those men who exercises authority and forces the contributions of the people, put a knife to your throat because he serves you deceitful meats and you will go into bondage. If, if sinners entice you to sit down, let's all have one purse. Why? So that you can divvy it up according to the men who exercise authority, the offices of authority that run this one-purse system. He says, you'll be captured in the net of your own making. How many times does it tell you that? You go look up our article. Just look up the word snare and the search engine that preparing you and, and study that. So anyway, we talked a little bit about self-determination. There are people in the Ukraine that don't want to be a part of the Ukrainian government because nobody's free in the Ukraine, haven't been. Like I said, the the people that were gotten out uh, over the the week from the Ukraine, um, the family members of somebody who's been here to the Burning Bush Festival, they didn't let the father out because he's fighting age. So he had to stay behind, but he got his family out because they're not free. They, you know, I mean, we're so used to it, we think, well, people should be drafted. People should be forced to get in the army. They couldn't in Israel. They couldn't, they couldn't even force an offering to get funds to fight the war. That was considered foolish by the prophets. They said, that's a foolish thing. They, your government will not stand. You will fail now because you forced an offering. We tell that. Look up, uh, Saul. Saul Syndrome article tells you exactly what it says in the Bible. You can't do that. But the reality is we've been taking a bite out of one another for a long time. This morning I I, I quoted uh, Mayor Amshel uh, Rothschild who said, Permit me to issue the control of the money of a nation, uh, issue and control the money of a nation, and I care not who makes the laws. And he's actually paraphrasing an uh, Andrew Fletcher quote who said, Let me make the songs of a nation, and I care not who makes the laws. Well, now Google... And the media are making the songs of the nation. They're telling you, oh, we need to be... It's only patriotic to support the Ukraine. Uh, of course, when 
when the U.S. government was making contracts with the military of the Ukraine to get 4,400 soldiers to test in medical experiments of things that were coming out of these bio labs that didn't exist but now do exist and uh and like I, I said this morning show you just got to listen I, I mentioned the names and the names of certain uh reporters who have been uncovering all this uh and how uh all uh u.s employees working over there in these bio labs have been indemnified if some of these volunteers in this poorest country in europe um, die from these medical experiments. And uh, they probably are less informative to these people who are undergoing medical experiments as they are to you about the, the jabs that you've been getting. But anyway, so I could go on and on and on about uh, all these documents, uh, U.S. biological experiments on allied soldiers in the Ukraine and Georgia by Deliana. Uh, but because uh, I have just reams of data that she has been sharing and uh, I think people should get the copies of those and protect her because she's one of the few people who have the courage. She used to be a member of the European Parliament and she's coming out and telling people what is really going on behind the scenes. And she only knows a fraction of it. And But you guys have a little bit of an idea. But what is the solution? Because that's really key. We're over halfway through. But now I've, I've, I've been hinting at the solution all the time. And we have an article you can look up, the word masses, at preparing you. Uh, the masses have failed to realize that the government's powerful enough to give you everything you want is capable of taking away everything you have. So if they've been giving you life and liberty, they can take away your life and liberty. Liberty is not something you are given. It's something you earn. It's a gift from God. And you should be acting according to that gift of God so that you show God you cherish that gift. I mean, God gave us two things. The right to choose and the right to life. And if you're not giving the right to choose to other people, if you're taking away their right to choose so that you can have free stuff, expect your rights to be taken away too. If you're not actively trying to increase life on this planet, and cherish that life on this planet, which nobody had been cherishing Ukrainians when they were becoming the poorest people in Europe with the richest country in the world. Instead, we sent politicians and their children over there to divvy up the riches, to, to divide it up and get paybacks from guys who, the oligarchs who were going in there and reaping all the profits and putting up actors as leaders. Uh, that's what they need is a good actor because then they can say, oh, this guy is so brave. I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. And, you know, real people are dying. You know, they don't, you know, it's kind of like the Roman Colosseum. And most people don't realize this Roman Colosseum it used to be all actors. Yeah, yeah, they they had real gladiators, real soldiers going in there being like gladiators. And sometimes then, but the swords were all dulled. They were... They were showing you what certain battles were like. And and people went there. But eventually, as the people sat more and more in darkness and lived more and more by socialism and, and uh, enslaved more and more people, 
they needed greater and greater thrills. I mean, we just watch 6 o'clock news and see bombs going off and everything, but we can do that in the comfort of our house. We don't have to go down to the Coliseum. But the same spirit is going on there where we're making a show of death and destruction, and that's what they started doing. First they got, uh, you know, prisoners who would go in and try to fight, you know, expert gladiators. And they may not give in a sharpest sword or whatever, I don't know. But eventually, they started killing people. And then they, they because some of the gladiators might get, I mean, some of the soldiers might get hurt. They got guys who were just gladiators fighting gladiators and and uh, have these duels to, to death and destruction. And of course, we've seen just in the last few months, uh, last few years at least, where you have a whole opposition that is supposedly so caring and loving and woke but they're yelling for the death of people. All the way, way back to uh, Maxine Waters saying, you get in their face and attack them and you drive them out. And you have real violent demonstrations where they're smashing windows and breaking into stores and stealing everything and hitting women over the head with two-by-fours and everything. But it's mostly peaceful. Setting uh, millions and millions and billions of dollars on fire and destroying all this property, destroying businesses, many of which have no insurance for riots because they have been putting those clauses in their insurance. And nobody cares. The reporters don't even point. Well, no, insurance won't cover this because this was rioting. <laughs> and then you have the truckers in Canada. Oh, these are terrible people. Arrest them, throw them in jail, no bail. The others, the people in government are actually bailing them out, getting them out on the street quicker and quicker. Crazy, insane stuff. How could we have gotten to this point? How could we have gotten to this point? Well, guess what? We're getting worse. And it's going to get a lot worse. And I talked about a guy this morning, Yuval Noah Harari, who thinks uh, history began when humans invented gods and will end up when humans become gods. And the, the truth is, Jesus said, you also are gods. But what does Harari mean by that? See, he thinks the gods of the Old Testament and the New Testament are just our imagination. We just invented them. Because he goes on to say, you could never convince a monkey to give you a banana by promising him limitless bananas after death in monkey heaven. Well, actually, there is no such promise. He's intimating that somehow that's the promise. Because a lot of modern religions, you say that you have to believe in Jesus, then you go to heaven and you'll be happy forever. Happy, 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 happy. See all your relatives and you'll just be with him and you'll just be in glory and happiness forever and ever and ever and ever. And, you know, Christ never really said that. That's Now, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying that's not part of the doctrines of Christ. He said some things to do with heaven and that probably don't understand and my father's house there are many mansions what does that mean you know you can put all kinds of interpretations on it and pick the one you like the best and that's pretty much what pretty much what most people do but the idea that you have to give your banana to god first <laughs> there was there's none of that the contributions of the early church the early congregations of the people to the church to the ministers of their choice were free will offerings for the purpose of taking care of the needy of society through pure religion. And you were doing it in small scale. It wasn't, you know, a thousand people in this church. It was ten families in this church. You knew the minister. And he was to help 
this rightly divide the bread from house to house so that it wasn't wasted. So it was properly used and so that it strengthened the poor. It wasn't just like, oh, if you sign up, we guarantee you a check. No. You, you tied to them according to their service. That's what it says. And they take care of the needy according to their genuine interest in doing the right thing. And on a small scale, that's pretty easy to tell. I mean, when you drive by some homeless guy on the road and he has a sign that says, need money, need food, whatever, and you hand him a $20 bill, you have not done charity. You just threw a $20 bill to a complete stranger. You have no idea if his sign is true. And we got, you know, personally, I've seen hundreds of stories. It's not true. So, right away, we know this. Yuval Noah Harari, who is the, the, the love child of the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum, uh, doesn't know what he's talking about when he's talking about religion, but so does a lot of other preachers and pastors. They think that, oh, you just say you love Jesus and get kind of starry-eyed and then, you know, you're saved forever. And you can't lose that salvation because you really believe in Jesus. Not the real Jesus, not the Jesus or what he said. You're not doing what he said. As a matter of fact, you're doing the opposite of what he said. But you believe in him. No, you don't. And Jesus tells you this, warns you, that many would think they're Christians, think they're following me, but I don't even know them. And they certainly don't know me. And get you from me. Throw them out. Tie them up. Throw them out. Because they don't know what Christianity is. And neither does Harari, who says, how do you cause people to believe in an imagined order such as Christianity, democracy, and capitalism? Funny you put all those together, because Christianity is not a democracy. The, the early Christian church was referred to as a republic. Because the leaders were titular, and in a real republic, the leaders are titular. If your leaders have the power to force you to contribute to them... If your leaders have the power to make laws and regulate every aspect of your life, you're not in a republic. You're probably in an indirect democracy, soon to become a dictatorship. And, you know, you think you're practicing capitalism, like I pointed out. We haven't had capitalism in this country since 1913. And somebody wrote back, well, it was even earlier than that, because he mentions the uh, Sherman Antitrust Act, which to some degree has been overruled. But most people don't know why. But uh, one of the things where it was kind of enforced again was with a security company. Well, securities aren't capital, necessarily. They're imagined value. They're paper saying that this value is here. You know, long before the Federal Reserve, there was banks issuing notes. And theoretically, if the, all the bankers were honest, uh, they issue... $10,000 in notes uh, that can be used as if they were money. They're not money. They're not cash. They're notes. All notes are not cash. We call them cash now, but that's something we changed. But uh, supposedly they have on deposit the gold and silver to redeem those in lawful money. That was one of the amazing things when I actually started to think that I, re- you know, I have a collection of old bills. Not a lot of them, but uh, I, it's over the year. I'm an old guy, so I got old bills from my back. <laughs> and uh, it said that this bill was redeemable in lawful money. Well, what, what that tells you, if it's redeemable in lawful money, notes are not lawful money. <laughs> right? 
They're not, they're, and it says on them also that they're legal tender. Well, what, what does tender mean? It means it's an offer. Uh, notes are an offer instead of money. You, and the Supreme Court's ruled, and the Superior Court's ruled, and it's well accepted fact that you cannot pay a debt with a note. And so that's why I say since 1913 you haven't had capitalism because you don't have any capital. A note is not capital. Securities are not necessarily capital. They might represent capital. But if you're creating a co-op where you still own your property, but somebody else has control over it, or vice versa, they have the ownership, but you still have control over it. That was the bondage of Egypt. They didn't actually give all their sheep and their animals to uh, the Pharaoh. They gave the ownership of their sheep and the animals to Pharaoh. And they had a legal right to do it, but he could take it away at any time. Like if you didn't pound on enough bricks, you might come and take it out of your herd <laughs> instead. <laughs> but these are complex systems, but... The thing is, we're doing it. We don't understand that we're doing it. Uh, he also talks about this being the end of Homo sapiens. End of sapiens. We're, we're, we're not going to be around. They're going to alter us. And, and people say, well, he means culturally and digitally. Well, culture uh, tends to argue that it forbids only that which is unnatural. But from a biological perspective, nothing is unnatural. Uh, he's gay, by the way. Not that that matters, but it just he pointed it out, so I guess it's important to him. But So that's not unnatural. That, that's perfectly natural. Now, you can't produce more kids that way, <laughs> but it's not unnatural. It has nothing to do with reproduction of the species. Now... Another, a couple of figures that I came across, and I can get to them probably and still get more to the solution, because many of you already kind of know the solution, where where I'm coming from, where we're going to. What's the birth rate in Ukraine? Do you know what the birth rate in the Ukraine is? <laughs> it, it, might, it might interest you to know what the birth rate in the Ukraine, Ukraine is. It's nine point something per 1,000 people. That's not very many. But, you know, the uh, Russia has a low birth rate, too. Russia's birth rate is so low, it's not going to survive as a nation. They know that. Now, they're going to actually start paying women to have babies. <laughs> because they're only producing, like, two children. You know, a woman only produces two children. Of course, it, it takes two people to produce two children, so your birth rate... Is you got two people, you're going to get two people. Well, some people are going to die. <laughs> some people are not going to grow up to produce more children. Especially if they, you know, we know that the birth rate has dropped because of a lot of injections that have been going on for decades and decades in Europe. You know, doctors have come out and they see amongst the people who receive certain shots, I can't remember the name of the shot right now, my daughter could, she's an expert in that. Uh, I'm just bad at names. I know which one it is, but it doesn't really matter. But they were pushing it in the United States, and they're pushing it in England, and they did a, just a basic survey of all those who got the shots and all those who didn't get the shots. And the ones who got the shots have a horribly low birth rate. I mean, just drastically different. It's not just like, you know, a couple of points. It's drastically different. And you're already in a country that has an extremely low birth rate. Europe will, would not survive. 
They weren't going to have enough people to run their factories. They weren't going to have enough people to buy their products. And that's why they let in all these people. But they let in a lot of other cultures too. But the reality is they were a dying species because the birth rate was so low. And then they gave these shots and it was even lower. And now they may be lower than anything you can possibly imagine. And that may be the design. And according to uh, the World Economic Forum, according to Gates uh, 10 years, 12 years ago, 20 years ago, that's a good thing. According to Gates' father, that's a good thing. We have to reduce the world population. That's all good stuff. So, Ukraine's birth rate was too low to survive. Russia's birth rate is too low to survive. survive. And this is really the cause of socialism, which is why the Europe, European birth rate is so low. And it's not just because you don't need a lot of children to support you in your old age, you know. To honor thy father and thy mother, of course, means to fatten thy father and thy mother. To take care of thy father and the mother. Provide for thy father and the mother. If you were in a, if you had a father, and you had five brothers, and all your brothers and you were married, and you all had children, who do you tie to? You actually are supposed to tie to your father. And your father ties to the congregation that you live in. That that's actually a family. That's one family unit. You, you say, well, no, that's five, there's five guys here with the wives. And that's five families. No, they're not fully a family until their father is dead. That that was that was the tradition. Most people don't understand how that works because they don't even understand the family because socialism destroys the family. Look at the black community. LBJ targeted the black community and it just devastated them. They went from having some of the strongest families in America back around the 1900s, 1910s. Uh, very low single parent family. Most of those were due to deaths. Uh, I mean, we're talking 1.5% to 3% and now they're up over 70% single parent families. That's devastating to the family. But see, this war that we're in right now didn't just start with COVID. Didn't start with the Ukraine. It started when the churches said it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority. And that started way back with the beginning of public school. Because now most public schools in the old days were supported mostly by charitable contributions. But around 1910 that began to change. It wasn't until 1910 that 50% of the kids were actually going to public school. Most of them were educated in private schools or home schools or you know, uh, church schools, etc. They weren't educated in what we call public schools. And of course, uh, public schools, even in the 50s, you know, I have a Bible. Uh, I actually gave it to somebody else, but I, I, I found it in an attic that I was doing some remodeling on. And uh, the Bible says property of such and such school district because it was one of the fir- first things one of the Congress did was print Bibles. But people think, well, that's just a bunch of superstitious stories. That's because you don't understand it. It's actually showing you how the universe works. How a free society works. How you go into bondage. How you become merchandise, which is what Revelation says, is that you'll become merchandise of the traveling merchants of the earth. You know, the merchants of the earth. That's already a done deal. You're already merchandise. You don't own your labor. You don't own your land. And we're going to go through a whole program that shows that. 
And one of the reasons is, is you're not doing what Christ says. You're still eating from the tables of idols. You're still taking benefits that may still have blood in them. The blood of your neighbor. You're still taking, what, what's the quote in the Bible? Be careful you do not bite and devour one another lest ye be devoured. That's New Testament. He's telling you. That's, if you're taking a bite out of your neighbor, you're eating meat with blood in it. Of course, they're not talking about you actually going, you know, zombie in church. You're more sophisticated than that. Now, it may lead to that kind of thing someday. I don't know. We have heard of people so drugged out that they're actually eating people. Jeffrey Dahmer, he was eating people. There were other guys who were doing that. That's not the... Not the only crazy guy that was doing that. But the spirit of taking a bite out of one another and thinking that it's okay because you did it through government. That's anti-Christ. That's anti-God. That's anti-Gospel. And you need to repent. Now you know what you need to repent of. Uh, you know, this is actually too long a quote. I won't go through the whole thing. Well, anyway, part of the quote is people are liberated from suffering not when they experience this or that fleeting pleasure, but rather when they understand the uh, impermanent nature of all their feelings and stop craving them. And, you know, he's actually talking, he's, he attacks Buddhism too, but he doesn't understand Buddhism. But that's reasonable that a guy might not understand Buddhism because... Most Buddhists don't understand Buddhism. Uh, I really shouldn't say most. I haven't done an extensive survey, but I certainly have seen Buddhist teachings that do not understand Buddha. Buddha said all kinds of things that Christ said. One of the things he said that was like what Christ said, but not like Christ said, was the sight of me is not your salvation, and do not make me a god. Buddha was not starting a religion like we think of religion, he was a social reformer. And, yeah, he was talking about denial, but to let other people have life. That y your life should not be covetous. That's basically what Buddha is saying. That your life should be of service to others. Uh, the cookbook that uh, Harari is writing, it's like that Outer Limits cookbook that you see in the old... Outer Limits show is, uh, you know, he says, the, the book on the cover says, to serve men. To serve man, excuse me. It says, to serve man. They translated that much and they're trying to translate the rest. And finally the guy was just giving up. I can't make it out. All these numbers and what 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 is this all about and everything. And so he's finally going to visit their planet on one of their flying saucers, you know. I think it was Outer Limits. It could have been Twilight Zone. But anyway, uh, uh, that would be 50, 60 years ago. you got to give me a break on that. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, he's getting on the ship and uh, his assistant comes running and says, Don't go, don't go. And he says, Why, why? You know, and he says, The book, To Serve Man, it's a cookbook. And, of course, that's the plan of Harari, is that you're a human resource. That you can be manipulated, even biologically manipulated, biologically changed. The more I read this guy's stuff, 
the more I hear Satan himself. It, that he is warring against the idea that there is a God of creation, that there is a pattern. He he's denies the pattern, yet yet he, he says that everything's natural. You can do anything. You can be gods. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like the guy in the garden? Uh, and he's so vain. You know, he thinks this world is about him. <laughs> and he says the romantic contrast between modern industry that destroys nature. He thinks modern industry destroys nature. And our ancestors who lived in harmony with nature is groundless. Long before the Industrial Revolution, Homo sapiens held the record among all organisms for driving the most plant and animal species to their extinctions. We have the dubious distinction of being the deadliest species in the animal, the annals of life. That's why he thinks that we should decrease our numbers down to 500 million so that we stop destroying species. Don't pay any attention to the fact that uh, that meteorites hit the earth and wiped out most of the creatures. We find them buried in massive graves and floods under debris and debris where they were fossilizing. Though uh, Some places we see evidence that tens of thousands of animals were destroyed in some sort of flood that went across the land and buried them in piles and piles of silt and mud. Uh, depriving them of oxygen so that they could eventually, uh, instead of putrefy, they petrified into almost uh, uh, calcium rock because of the leaching of minerals. That's where a lot of animals went. Uh, the fact is, is the Homo sapiens, yeah, and I'm not saying that we couldn't do better, but the solution isn't getting rid of 6 billion people or 7 billion people. The solution is listening to the Spirit of God that giveth life. But anyway, we'll have to talk more about this. I'll try to work on that axe this week. And until then, peace on your house. And may may God be with you. Uh, join us on the network at hisholychurch.org or preparingyou.com. Follow the network links. Join there. Become a member of the email. But then start sitting down, organizing yourselves in the tens, hundreds, of thousands, no matter how far apart you are, until we can fill in those gaps and start connecting you one by one. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.